It's the Saturday before the midterm elections, and I'm at an apartment complex in South Salt Lake, Utah, about to knock on a stranger's door. I'm canvassing for Ben McAdams, the Democratic candidate for Congress in Utah's 4th District. Ben McAdams. Before I became a member of Congress in January, I was the mayor of Salt Lake County. I think Washington might work better if we elected more mayors to Congress. A mayor lives and breathes the community and understands its problems. I want to give an inside view about what Congress is like as I find out about it myself. I don't know what it will take to fix Washington, but I'll start by remembering what I learned when I was mayor. This is Washington. I'm a r- 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 regular voter, but it's my first time canvassing. Randomly showing up at someone's door to talk politics would place anyone outside th- their comfort zone. But for me, there's an added hitch. I can't say Ben. The B sound at the b- 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 beginning is what speech-language pathologists call a stop because it's produced by obstructing and then releasing the airflow in the vocal tract. This buildup makes it a fraught word for someone who stutters, as I do. This was the beginning of a personal essay that appeared in the Washington Post magazine last week. Congressman Ben McAdams read it and was deeply moved by the message. He tracked down the author, poet and University of Utah graduate student Adam Gianelli, and they sat down for a conversation about why Adam decided to canvass for a man he couldn't vote for in the 2018 election. I was, I was interested in the election. This was an important midterm election. And I, I knew from the polls that, that your race was particularly close. So it seemed like a good opportunity to become involved. And I wanted to try to help, you know, turn the House more democratic. And, and this was, I, I'm currently, I've, I've, I vote in Ohio, but I'm currently in Utah. So this was sort of a race in my area that I could be involved with. And so that was one motivation and I also, as a person who stutters, I saw sort of getting involved in civic engagement and canvassing as a way to ex- express my voice and as a way to really to sort of accept my own voice by, by speaking out. Like many people, the 2016 election pushed Adam to participate in the political process in ways that he hadn't. And in his case ways that were particularly challenging. So I think really the first time I called was about Steve Bannon. And Bannon, like Bannon happens because it's a B sound. That's not sort of a more explosive sound. That wasn't the easiest sound for me. And I called my senators in Ohio, Rob Portman and Sherrod Brown. And I stuttered pretty significantly at that conversation. And then I realized that those phone calls would be difficult for me. As the midterm elections approached, he was concerned enough to donate money to close races in Arizona and New Mexico. But at some point, Adam realized that he'd purposely limited his political activity because he stuttered. And then I realized that in a way I was sort of, I was being involved, but right in a way where I didn't have to speak. And 
because and a, a common way to be involved would be to canvas or to phone bank. So, have you always been politically active? Tell me, uh, you know. The, so, you said it, you started kind of with the Trump election in 2016, mm-hmm. expressing your voice. Has politics been something you care about? And it yeah. has. I've always been. I've always voted, and I've been involved um, as a voter. And I, I went to o- Oberlin College in Ohio, which is a pretty politically active campus. But I never canvassed before or volunteered for a campaign before. Mm -hmm. And I do think probably one reason that that I didn't was that I knew I'd have to speak a lot with strangers. And that was a situation that that I, I was reluctant to enter into. So, you know, as I said, we had a thousand, over a thousand volunteers on the campaign, and there are a lot of activities that can, uh, that campaigns do. You can stuff envelopes or assemble signs and that. Why did, why did speaking matter to you, being out on the doorstep, talking to people? Why did that matter to you? I think that those are all great ways to be involved, and, and, and people should you know, choose whatever way to be involved that they feel feel most comfortable with. But for me, I wanted sort of my political voice and my speaking voice to, to be aligned because I felt that throughout my life as a person who stutters, I've been sort of at times, especially during childhood, kind of c- covert about my st- stuttering. So I saw myself sort of putting speaking in a, with strangers in a public s- setting would be away from for for me to accept and my my own voice and be open about it. So I loved I loved reading your op-ed uh, in the Washington Post and a couple of things I loved about it. But first, just you know the the courage that it took and and you know going out there and putting yourself out there um, because you cared about this election and cared about making a difference. And I was I felt honored to be the recipient of that. You know, as a, mm-hmm. I think it was the 2018 election was. Was a, was a critical election, and I felt honored to be the recipient of that. But I also loved seeing my own campaign through the lens of somebody who was on the doorsteps. You know, I I did a lot of door knocking myself, um, but I think it, I'm received differently um, for good and for bad mm-hmm. as a candidate on the doorstep. But seeing it through your eyes was um, was really fascinating to me. So tell me a little bit more about how people received you, both with your stuttering, but also just as a a messenger as an advocate and activist on their doorstep. Mm-hmm. What was that experience like? Yeah, that was also a, a, a very interesting experience for me because it had been the first time I had been involved in a campaign before. And I do think I imagined going sort of from house to house. I had, you know, Before I did, I had this idea I was going to be going from house to house. And, and that did happen, but the first thing I did was go to this neighborhood that was a series of apartment complexes, you know, where there were all these people in 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 the same complex that that I had to knock on their doors, and so it was sort of, you know, it wasn't entirely how I had imagined it, and I saw sort of different parts of Salt Lake City that I didn't know as well. So it did help me, I think, get out and sort of see a di- different aspects of my of the community and in terms of 
I mean, it was with my stuttering and with and with sort of the politics. There was a wide range of responses, I think, for both. And sometimes it was sort of hard to know, like, if I got a negative response, was that because I stutter or was that because the people were not fans of of Ben? Or was it just that people, I think some people just weren't fans of having people show up on their doorstep, regardless of yeah, what their yeah, politics sure. were. So I remember one of the sort of more abrupt encounters was when a man slammed the door. He sort of saw me and I started to speak and he slammed the door. And I, it could have been because of my speech, but I think it was probably more because he just didn't want to, he sort of, because I had a Ben McAdams sticker. So I think he understood, you know, I was canvassing and he just didn't want to be bothered. So basically you're saying it's not you, it's me, right? And that he slammed the door. um, Yeah, but I'm saying saying it might not even have been you. It might have just been the political process. Yeah. Do you feel like you made a difference? I would like to think that I, that I did. It was a very close election. Yeah, it was the closest cut election in the country, you know, and um, we didn't know how close it would be. You know, I think we went in, I went into it knowing it was close, but thinking, you know, we could win by a few thousand or lose by a few thousand. But um, I said, the last thing I want is to spend a month in a recount, you know, either put me out of my misery or let's win this solidly. And we actually avoided a recount by 21 votes, you know, out of 270,000 votes cast, we stayed out of recount territory by 21. So mm-hmm. it was close. Yeah. And one, the last day I canvassed was Tuesday was a, a, a election day. And then that was a little different because I had to sort of make sure people had a plan to vote and they knew where the their sort of polling center was. So I did feel sometimes on that day I helped people at least kind of have a better plan for how to vote. You know, winning the election, it places a, a pretty heavy weight on my shoulders. I think there are a lot of people who donated their $10 that they don't have per month or gave every Saturday for a period of time and time that they didn't have and, and helped out because they wanted me to win and have they have hopes and aspirations for me. It is an honor to know that somebody like Adam would give time and put himself out there and make himself vulnerable to help my campaign. Uh, that also, I think, places uh, a weight of responsibility on my shoulders that I want to, um, I don't want to let people down. Um, and at the same time, I think it's inevitable that, um, you know, I'm going to cast votes that, you know, not everybody likes. I'm a month into the job right now. And to some extent, I hope I'm living up to it. But I also know that in, in, to another extent, I've disappointed people. I'm not as liberal or as conservative as people want. And I'm, I'm doing the best to, to become educated on, on the issues and make the decision that I think is right for our country and for the, the district that I represent. But you look at my social media feeds, and as you can see, that that's not enough for a lot of people. You know, I'm not anti-Trump enough or I'm not pro-Trump enough. I'm not, I don't support building a 2,000-mile wall, and I don't support doing nothing at the border for border security. And, you know, you can't keep everybody happy, nor... Uh, is the goal to keep everybody happy. It's to lead in a way that I think is good for the country and, and reflective of the district that I that elected me.
I want to thank you for listening, and what I really want is to hear from you. So please email us at tips at loudmouthproject.com. I'm Tom Luma, and this has been Washington, a Loudmouth Project production. We'd like to thank the village that made this podcast possible. Andrea Smartin, Letitia Comstock, Amy Donaldson, Allison Hayron, and of course, Congressman Ben McAdams. Hello again. I want to take some time to introduce you to the Loudmouth Project's newest podcast launching in mid-March of 2019. Here's a sample, and for more information, email us at tips at loudmouthproject.com. I'm Tom Luma. And I'm Jason Comstock. And welcome to We Happy Few, our podcast that allows veterans and their families to tell their stories. Stories that will cover a broad spectrum of lived experiences, from time in service to the return home and beyond. Experiences shared with the hope that all listeners will better understand the sometimes complicated lives of veterans and their families. My name is Bart Thomason. I would not change the travel that I've had. I would not change the comradeship that I have developed. I'm Frank DeVito. I want to share a story. Occasionally I reach out and you say, hey, man, it's good to serve with you. And I had no idea what some of these guys were going through. Coincidentally, is the, the lowest point is actually the day that I started to get better. I think if you want to look to find out you know, who's mentally ill, I'm one of them. Because that was the hardest part. Was I couldn't figure out, really. I didn't know what was wrong. I just knew it wasn't right. It's definitely been hard. I'm, I miss him all the time. It's just those moments when we're watching a movie that I know he'd love or one that we had watched together. And sometimes I'll still turn to where he would normally sit and kind of still wait for him to laugh. Sometimes it's hard, it's emotional, and it's challenging, but I chose to do the thing it makes me want to fight. There's something about that experience that, that is transformative and, and, and molds you together. I mean, it puts you together. And we have to, you know, we've got to look out for each other and realize that, you know, that first of all, we're all struggling, whether you're a veteran or not. Everybody's got a problem. I joined the United States Army because one day I expect to have the honor of meeting George Washington. On that day, I want to shake his hand, look him in the eye, and know that I earned it. The United States of America is the greatest nation on the face of the earth. The men who created it did so under the watchful eye of our Heavenly Father. They risked everything to do this. They risked families, fortunes, and reputations. It's just ingrained into us that... You know, mental illness is something that people have a notion that they can just overcome if they think real hard about it and they can fix it. It's not. Where I'm at now, recovering, is you have to go get help. If you or any veteran you know is feeling self-destructive or suicidal, please don't hesitate to use the Veterans Crisis Line by either calling 1-800-273-8255 and pressing 1, or by texting 838-255, or by visiting www.veteranscrisisline.net. This 24-7 confidential service is for all veterans, all service members, National Guard and Reserve, their family members, and their friends.